So, yeah, uh, starting this thing off, how exactly would you describe what it is that you do? Um, why do you do it? And yeah, anything else about modern Korea that you want to give us and then we can get the ball rolling. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for the question. Yeah. So I, my approach is um, I do, I teach an evidence-based trauma-informed approach to spiritual development and it incorporates the ancient um, wisdom and teachings of Kriya Yoga and Taoist internal alchemy, as well as uh, current understandings in neuroscience. And so um, Kriya Yoga has, uh, it's, it's been around for a long period of time. Um, it was uh, sort of became uh, predominant in, in, um, in uh, you know, knowledge or, or uh, prevalence um, in the late 1800s in India um, with uh, a fellow named Lahiri Mahashai or Lahiri Baba, um, who was the teacher and taught many people in Benares, uh, this Kriya Yoga. And he learned it from, from his teacher, uh, this uh, um, Babaji. And so um, Kriya Yoga is, um, you know, my approach builds on Kriya Yoga. It builds on Taoist internal alchemy. And I initially had no inclination to teach at all. I had been, you know, learning these practices for decades, right, and, and very involved in them. And uh, several years uh, ago, I was I teach uh, meditation as part of, um, I, I work for the government in Canada. And so as part of a kind of um, commitment to trauma-informed practice and self-care, uh, I implemented this meditation, um, like morning meditation program for the staff in government um, in our in our uh, particular branch. And um, I brought in some of the teachings and my understandings of Kriya Yoga into a distilled version that that was really about trying to teach people the basics of how to meditate with no background at all. And um, one of my students came to me at the time and I had trained several facilitators to do this work as well, right? So we had like morning meditations basically throughout the week for staff for like 20 minutes. And we still, we've been doing that for like five years. But one of my students came to me and said, hey, like, you know, you've got so much to say. You have a definite opinion on everything, right? <laughs> it's really just a meditation or whatever. Like, um, have you thought of teaching more broadly? And I was like, well, no, I haven't. And they said, well, yeah, there's, you know, mean, means to do that, right? Like, maybe you want to get a YouTube channel or whatever. And um, so anyway, I talked to my Korea yoga teacher at the time. And I said, yeah, you do have a lot to share. So I give you my blessing. Uh, and so go to it. And so that's what I started in March of 2021, where I just started um, putting out videos, um, pr primarily about Kriya Yoga and stuff like that. Um, and I wasn't really sure the direction I wanted to go with it. But um, the essence of it is that I wanted to share practices that I knew worked, uh, approaches that I knew worked. And I knew there was a lot of misunderstanding up out there about meditation and yoga in particular and so to try and clarify some of the things that i had learned um, to save other people the time and uh, and the heartache that i had gone through to try to you know like where i just couldn't make my way around certain obstacles because i was just doing the same thing over and over again so i'm like we need to demystify things so that people understand what meditation is uh, and how easy it is and um you know, and I've had many people, uh, especially when I was teaching the teaching the meditation um, for the government and so on, that um, people would come to me and say, "I I can't meditate. I've tried it. It doesn't work. You know, it's it's it I, it just doesn't work for me." And so I was like, "Okay, great." Because like, what have you been doing? You know, how have you been doing this? And a lot of times, people have been doing things like just following the breath, which is sort of a simple, you know, Buddhist meditation that's used in other traditions as well. And uh, I'd say, well, yeah, that worked in 1950 um, because the breath rate of humans in general was below a certain threshold. So if you follow the breath, you would start to get into a meditative state. If your your grandfather, your great grandfather, was sitting on the back porch somewhere and just watching, you know, the sunset, they would naturally go into a meditative state. But the breath rate of humanity in general has. Um, increased um, like threefold, I think, since then. So we're, we're, we're breathing at about 12 to 15 breaths per minute in general, a resting breath rate. And if we just follow the breath, we cannot get into a meditative state that way because we are not, um, we're not leveraging our parasympathetic nervous system in a way to get us into meditation. Mm -hmm. So Kriya Yoga uh, has been very, uh, had a very direct way to apply an intentional breathing that brings about that meditating meditation, that unfoldment. And, um, and so 
I wanted to bring that back into sort of every consciousness of people who weren't even like really meditators, but were just sort of interested in the benefits of meditation and say, here's a really simple way that you can learn to get into a meditation. And boy, does it feel good when you're in there, right? So just try it like five minutes, you know, the proof is in the pudding kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the impetus of the, the way that I've gone through and sort of where I've ended up. And I never envisioned being a teacher in this regard or anything, but uh, it's it's taken on a life as its own. And I've, I've connected with some really amazing people. I've got students all across the world. Um, and just to hear some of the like the um, the challenges that they run into, and I'm like, oh, great. Okay, here's a unique problem. Let's look at ways that we could potentially solve it together, right? So that I love working with people in that way because um, people come from all, all sorts of backgrounds and I wanna help them. And sometimes I don't know the I don't know the solution, but we'll try some things. And I understand I try and teach them like foundations, fundamentals, and understanding the principles on the way things work. And sometimes we're able to find um, solutions together. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing! Like it's very fulfilling in that way. Um, and so yeah, that's that's basically in a nutshell. That's awesome. So how would you describe Kriya? in the fundamentals of Korea and the principles and the modalities of Korea, uh, somebody that really doesn't know any better and they have no idea what Korea is. And I know it can be, you know, it, it can be pretty deep, but if we can keep it a, a kind of a simple approach to Korea, like how would you describe that? Okay. Um, well, basically Korea is a, one of the most effective means for getting into a meditative, ex a meditative state or having a meditative experience. And it uses a form of intentional breathing. So you're guiding your breath, right? You're intentionally doing a certain kind of breathing. And what that does is it has an effect on your central nervous system, particularly the parasympathetic nervous system. And when you stimulate with this slow intentional breathing, which is basically what creative is, when you stimulate that parasympathetic nervous system, what happens is you start to have a physiological effect. Um, primarily, or at the very beginning, your heart rate starts to slow down. And what happens at a physiological level is this, you bring your breath below a certain rate of breaths per minute. So it's seven breaths per minute to, to get into something that's called heart rate variability, right? Where your breath and your heart rate starts to come into resonance with each other. And it slows down your breath rate, right? And by slowing down your breath in this way through this intentional breathing, you actually um, do something to the um, medulla oblongata, which is in the brainstem. It controls the it controls autonomic functions of heart rate. So by doing Kriya Yoga, you actually start to slow down your heart rate, right? We can't control our heart rate consciously, right? It's an autonomic function. But by doing this type of intentional breathing, um, Kriya Yoga and its derivative, what we teach is heart rate variability resonance breathing. It's this sort of distilled version of Kriya Yoga that, that focuses on the, the, the fundamental principles of Kriya. By doing this intentional breathing in this way, you actually slow down the heart rate, right? And then your body starts to go into a low idle state. You start to get internalized and you will start to experience. And, you know, normally people who are just like starting out and don't do anything, don't know about meditation. And we guide them in this heart rate variability resonance breathing. And in five minutes, they start to experience signs of the galvanic skin response, which is also called the freeze response. It's a physiological response in the body, right? That where your parasympathetic nervous system is becoming predominant. So you can feel things like your hands might become to feel hot and heavy. Mm -hmm. You may feel a pulsation in your lower lip. You may have tingling throughout your body. All of these are signs that your parasympathetic nervous system is becoming predominant and you're going into deep meditation, right? So you don't need to have a background in, in uh, any kind of spiritual tradition or religious beliefs or anything to get benefit in this way. Just doing the slow intentional breathing brings you into a meditative uh, state. And as I say, the proof is in the pudding. Mm -hmm. um, you have the experience and you're like, whoa, I recently had a, a student uh, who joined me, um, you know, as a new student, and um, she had been doing, her background was um, different modalities of meditation, et cetera, et cetera. And also an interest in, in um, you know, Taoist studies and so on, and was somewhat familiar with that stuff. But she had never heard of Kriya Yoga, and she hadn't heard of heart rate variability, resonance breathing. <laughs> and so she... Um, She's and I, I, she was asking me about Taoist practices because I also teach those, right? Taoist internal alchemy, which has a sort of embodied approach to spirituality. And she asked me, like, um, 
you know, oh, what's up? What about this heart rate variability in the Kriya Yoga that you're teaching? I said, yeah, it may not be your, of your interest, right? But, you know, check out the, the lessons on that and, you know, let me know how it goes. She's like, oh my God, I had no idea that meditation could feel like that, right? So she just followed the simple practices of, of doing the intentional breathing, Kriya Yoga, or the heart rate variability resonance breathing, just this, this is a distilled version. And she's like, I had an immediate effect of that. So it's like, great. These, we, these are evidence-based practices, like they work, right? Yeah. So, so if you've never heard anything about Kriya Yoga, there's a lot of information and you know mythology about Kriya Yoga as being the most advanced spiritual path and all this kind of stuff. Like, sure, it's good marketing, right? And that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And, and certainly people who are inclined to spiritual development and have sort of, um, you know, a devotional component can use Kriya Yoga to enhance their spiritual um, relationship, if you will. But you can also use it um, to just have a meditative experience where you don't have to worry about all this sort of spiritual cultural baggage, um, you know, believing in this or believing in that. You will have that experience unfolding naturally, this, this sort of natural spiritual experience, if you will. Spiritual is not really the best word for it. It's a natural unfolding, right? And we usually, I think, in these societies and, well, most societies, we don't really put... Um, an emphasis on that too much. It's seen as something that you do maybe on the side, you know, I have my religion, I have my spiritual whatever, but you don't think of it as embodying it in your everyday experience, right? Yeah. That's kind of the approach that that I take is like, use a few techniques, start to get the experience of it. And if you just do heart rate variability, resonance breathing, or you're doing Kriya Yoga, you will start to have an internal experience that, that has a sort of, um, it's, natural unfolding of you and it can feel very um liberating and very spiritual and you may be then as things start to unfold within you you were like whoa i had no idea that was inside right mm -hmm. it's wonderful so it's really to give people a few few tools that we know work to start exploring their inner vistas and see what's in there and if it if they have a bunch of like religious tradition and they want to explore that totally fine and if they have none of that it doesn't matter like they will have something unfolding within. So that's really what it's, you know, that's kind of what it's all about. Um, and I also, you know, in addition to Kriya Yoga, I also teach the Taoist internal alchemy. And I talk about that as an embodied spiritual art and science. Um, it's what that is. It has a particular practices to get you grounded in your body, right? Often in meditation in some spiritual traditions, they want to like go within it and get out of their body. They want to sort of escape from the suffering, right? This sort of the idea. Yeah, exactly. Transcendence, right? And that's fine. But you, you can't, if you leave things behind, there's things unresolved. So actually what you want to do is have an embodied spiritual experience, meaning that your body, the substance of your body, um, your emotions, um, you know, your, your mind, all of those things start to become integrated, that there's this embodied spiritual development. It happens from the center of you, right? And your body really is sort of the center of your existence on this physical plane, if you will. So we want to have spirituality or spiritual development or just development transformation to start to come from within, not just like we need to go somewhere and we want to go escape the wheel of incarnation or whatever, you know, ideas that people have, that you actually have it here in the now. And the benefit of that is that when you start to have those experiences unfolding within you, you start to integrate, you have this integrative experience. So we all have past experiences where we may have, you know, some challenges, we may have trauma, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of the times those things are kept very separate within us in this labyrinth of, of unresolved and unresolved state, right? We actually want to integrate that stuff so that we can have a cohesive whole, right? That's what really internal transformation is about. And I know that a lot of people like they think like, whoa, that's too much. Like, I don't, I don't know about that. But but we all need to have some integration within us to become functional and practical in life. So these kind of practices help to encourage that. And people can take it as far as they want. If it's that they want to have an experience of going within and just feel peace and stillness, right? If it's that there's something that comes up in their meditation, a strong experience from the past, like an emotion thing, and they're like, oh, it's just sitting there and oh, it was never resolved. And they have an opportunity then for that to unfold, to transform eternally. That is very liberating. So that's kind of the, the approach that I take with it. I say, like, just go down the rabbit hole because you will find more than you had anticipated, right? With very simple practices.
Yeah, so would you say it's more so about um, creating a lifestyle, a yogic lifestyle out of the practices and modalities? Like, yes, we may actually have transcendent experiences, um, very divine experiences, some may say. But eventually, hey, man, you come back down and you're, you're still in your humanly form and you got you to gotta do things as a human. So would you say having these experiences um, ultimately the goal would be to create a better human experience, you know? So it's to create, like, it's to take that, take whatever you uh, physiologically do to the body in these meditative practices and translate that into our regular life to create a better just life altogether. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's about integration, right? Um, I I know in in some cultures, uh, you know, things are, things are more integrated Um, relationships between the generations, different generations of people like older or younger are more integrated. And in in the West, we tend to keep things a bit more siloed, which Mm -hmm. it's maybe it's efficient because we don't have to deal with too many things at one time, but it also creates this, this sense of separation in all these different aspects of our life. And, it's a challenge because like you're, you know, you, you're Joe at work and then you're Joe at home and then you're Joe with your friends and so on and so on. And really when you're able to break down the internal barriers, there becomes this harmonious integration through all aspects of your life. So as you said, it is about, um, you know, um, making yourself, well, did you say more functional or more, more kind of connected in the everyday? We yeah, want to unfold from within. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know that lifestyle is really like, it's, I mean, for me, lifestyle is like trying to take on a persona a little bit. Um, meaning that like, okay, I'm doing these things and I become this type of person, but in actual fact, you can never really, really leave your, um, your history behind. So what you want to do is to come to terms with it and integrate it. So it's functional in your everyday experience in your now, right. In the experience of, of today. And so the lifestyle then is really about getting quite connected to who you are in the world at, and with your own self and allowing the integration just to like people will feel the authenticity of what you're saying or what how you're behaving because you've worked through a lot of the internal stuff that was unresolved and then once you have the integration within right because it's never really stops it's just like once you get fairly substantial integration within you start to have harmonious um you have a harmony a harmony starts to manifest within and then the harmony starts to manifest without if you will Mm -hmm. first thing is usually relationships with other people right situations where you're not reacting because the patterns that you have within which are leading to the normal reactivity have been resolved so you're like okay great now that pattern is outside me but resolved inside of me is there something i can do with my internal resolution that helps to harmonize externally the pattern right Mm -hmm. so that is like an integrative process that just begins within and starts to spread without so that's for me really what spirituality is 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 about um but yeah so the lifestyle thing um i don't know if it's a lifestyle i mean i guess it kind of is but not in the way where i would think oh yeah i've joined joined a yoga club and now i'm like a yoga guy right that kind of thing um Mm -hmm. so yeah transcends that i know what you mean yeah yeah not in the sense of the uh popular idea of lifestyle the cultural idea um yeah and not to knock that at all because i think there's some really vital stuff within people like in isolation approaching a particular lifestyle big uh kind of lifestyle approach because there may be some particular things that they need to resolve and through doing that activity or connecting with those type of people they work in in on that in an intense way and i know i have done that like for instance with kriya yoga right like intensely doing Kriya yoga for numerous decades, you know, all of that stuff. But it's at some point I realized it's really about sure that the, those are like training wheels, but where the rubber hits the road is the, is the integration. And that doesn't have boundaries, right? It needs to not have boundaries. So, yeah. Hmm. Well said. Yeah. So uh, at a very practical level, it, it's really just about us becoming better, um, more cohesive, more maybe sattvic decision makers so that we maybe don't react, but we respond. Uh, you know, we respond a little bit wiser to any given situation in our life to make it 
maybe uh like you said yes a little more harmonious maybe so it's not destructive to others and yourself it's really just becoming wiser it seems it seems like the spiritual path um from a lot of things we read online it may seem like we put a lot of woo woo and a lot of fluff into it but when it really comes down to it man it seems like it's just like refining our character it's like we do these practices we figure out what's going on deep inside um in you know, we work it out in one way or the other, and then we just refine ourselves to become, for lack of a better word, a better person. Um, would you say that's a pretty apt, simple description? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and the sort of the, the mention of sattvic or more harmonious with others is really an, a byproduct of an internal process rather than trying to become those things, right? Because there are, um, like in yoga, um, Patanjali's um Yoga Sutras talks about sort of this eightfold path, right? The first two or the first two um, parts of that are something called yama and niyama, right? The moral do's and don'ts. And a lot of spiritual paths will use an approach um, where they're like, we need to build your character, right? And certainly if you have, there's no character or anything, you want some sort of guidelines for behaving, but it doesn't necessarily mean that um, you're behaving from an integrative perspective, it may mean that you're just trying to be nice or you're trying to be more tolerant and that there's nothing wrong with that. But what you, we really want is to those, those behaviors, the manifestation of those behaviors, uh, you know, harmonious with others, et cetera, are a um, manifestation of an internal process of byproduct. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we know like if you, if you've encountered people who are, who have, you know, considerable experience in spiritual um, development and so on, you'll be like, wow, they're like a cool person. They're like really nice. Like if you've ever interacted with the Dalai Lama, you're like, oh my God, like he doesn't care about the rules and so on uh, of Buddhism for majority of people. He's like, you know, just, just give me your, he's like, uh, I, I saw once and he's like, I just want your smiles. Right. And we're like, great. You know, because the smile starts to break down the barrier between us as, you know, personalities, if you will, and in encourage this connection, right? And so, he was at that level where he's just like, you're like, wow, he, he's, he's, what you see is a result of his internal process. It manifests as, as his virtuous behavior, what you will, um, rather it's than trying to be, right? Except, yeah, exactly. I guess that's what I, what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, the orientation that comes about from these practices is an authentic, it's a genuine, yeah, coolness. It's a genuine, it seems to be gentleness in somebody's character, a harmlessness. Um, some may say just love, love just sprouts from somebody. But yeah, we don't try. It seems to be like there's no trying. It's just like our natural state seems to be when we we get off the, the clutter and the layers of the ego, one may say. It seems like our natural state is this calm, cool, and collected, harmonious uh, embodiment. It's, it's interesting to me. It, I don't think it's a guarantee. You know, there's definitely a lot of people that have abused their power and abused their insight. Um, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. I don't think it's a guarantee, but I think there's a very large correlation with that. There's, it's not a causation, but I think there's a very large correlation with people that follow this path and just like the natural character that comes from the, the path per se. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, I think it's really, um, it's that people are, um, the integrative process, as, as we were talking about, really does manifest that harmony and so on. But I would say um, there is a tendency, I think, in spiritual circles to kind of, um, obviously, you know, with traditions that are coming from, you know, South Asia, etc., um, to sort of revere the teacher as this sort of, um, you know, great, you know, developed being that is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you cannot question, well, you could question, but you're, you know, you're not on the same footing with them kind of thing. Yeah. And I think the challenge with that is that people who haven't got, been integrated enough as teachers and were put on a pedestal are, are maybe it's the opportunity to um, act in ways that are sort of contrary to what we would expect is, is there. And so, um, because I think the integrative process within, like that's going to happen continuously. We need to continue to do that. It doesn't just stop. One doesn't become enlightened and that's it. 
enlightenment is a process rather than a final goal. You mm -hmm. need to go through that continuous uh, internal um, transformation, which is not just about the physical body, the emotions, the mind and all that, but goes beyond. It connects with our kin, right? Our ancestry, with our community, with our world, et cetera, et cetera. It has larger, there's much uh, wider range of that integrative process that needs to happen. And so enlightenment is a is a process of refining, if you will, like the you know in Taoist internal alchemy they talk about cultivation, right? Which is a, you know nice term or refining. Uh, and we also talk about refining sort of the inner elixir, like things that are unresolved that are in the states of these patterns that that restrict our ability to use um, our life force and attention um, in a spontaneous way because they redirect it to the same pattern over and over again, yeah. hence manifesting the same behavior. Um, they once those get resolved, the behavior doesn't manifest. So you just need to continue to work. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that there are instances, there are definitely people who are sort of very well developed and so on, will also do things like have resistance to something. They may have to take action. They need to be dynamic. It isn't just all peace and love. Um, there are certain things that need to be done sometimes, right? Because this is the best or one of the best situations, one of the best approaches to affect something that is going off the rails somewhat. So I think um, people's definition of, of what they consider sort of spiritually developed is often a little bit thin. And if somebody is really, I think, who develops more and more, they become more dynamic and causal rather than just being, oh, it's all peace and love. And, you know, we're going to, you know, it's all love and joy. Like there's some, we are facing some major problems on the earth. Uh, we are facing some major challenges, you know, with our own experience, right? Um, and, and you know, we have centuries and centuries of programming that has come to us through, you know, through human social organization. That is, some of the stuff is not in the best interests of humanity or the planet. And so, those patterns are still within us. And so, we need to work on those as well. Now, that's usually out of the scope of what most people are even interested in. But that's the <laughs> fact is that it's in there and it's having an effect, but we don't realize it. It's at an unconscious level. And so, we want to, when we're opening up our own inner space and starting to work within in our own sort of inner laboratory, if you will, we have to become aware of those patterns as well. Um, and so, yeah, that's, um, that's kind of the direction that I see things need to go. Yeah. Yep, it's all about the patterns, man. We're we're creatures of habit. It's just Definitely. about building the right habits, knowing that first of all, we do have habits and that we are a creature of habit. And then you identify what your habits are and then yes, refine the habits little by little. That's the thing, is it's not Rome wasn't built in a day. So it's like, yeah, this path it seems to be something I was gonna say lifestyle again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to avoid that. But it is, it's more of something that we just take on as, a, as an embodiment in our life. And it doesn't happen just like this, even if you do get some kind of insight of enlightenment per se. Um, if anything, that's the beginning. Once you do get a perspective of a, a sense of being connected to a greater whole, if anything, I feel as though aligning to that greater whole in one's life and embodying that is just the beginning of the journey. If there is, I know there's no beginning and end if you really want to get to the absolute level. But in this model, it seems to be for me, once one gets a glimpse into a, through these modalities, gets a glimpse into um, just outside of the box that was built for us uh, in our lives, outside of the box of the ego per se, once you get a glimpse, um, I feel as though that's the start. That's the start of something bigger. And I have to say this, it's a start that I feel like once one gets gets on the wavelength of, it's like you can't go back. You know, I feel as though personally, it's like once you once you do these things and you have these you have these feelings that you never really felt before. Um, there's no other way. I feel as though there's no other way to live my life. Um, you know what I mean? Like I can't go back into the matrix per se. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, true. True, good way to put it, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's quite interesting, man. Um, it's like the way is the way is the way, man. You can't once one 
introduces oneself to this said way it's like there's no other way <laughs> it's quite interesting um it's yeah. it's the way of nature like yeah. the, the the term Tao means the way right mm -hmm. um and then Tao Te Ching is like the way uh or the um the way and its virtue and so that's an acknowledgement um that um that these are natural it's natural like there's yeah. a naturalness to it and so i think when you scratch the surface of different spiritual traditions and people who start to go into those and start to sort of experiment or, or suss them out and without getting confused by what they've been told they start to say wait a minute there's a natural underlying order to yeah. things and it yeah. can begin with my internal perception yeah. which is totally cool because then you're like okay sure you can use this approach or that approach but if you understand the fundamentals of the way things work inside, then you're like, it doesn't matter. All I need to do is to, to get to that trailhead, if you will, to get mm. to that start where you're just like, yeah, well, I've been introduced to this and I'm going to explore this internal vista, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is totally cool. Now, would you say it's quite simple as well? Well, um, it, it, getting, in, getting to that trailhead is simple for sure. Um, you can do it with different, there's different modalities, right? Kriya yoga is an effective way to start to experience that internal vista. Um, the challenge I think is that integration, we have so many things that are repressed in us that are suppressed, not just our own stuff from childhood, but also programming with, that we've learned and so on. That's these sort of strata of patterns that are unresolved. So it's work. And that's what I realized is like, People think, oh, yeah, I can just have a great internal experience. I'm like, yeah, you can have that. But what you will also see, it's not all puppy dogs and fairy tales in there. You can run into some very challenging stuff. Yeah. And it's yours, right? It's yours to resolve. It's yours to work with. You have that unique destiny of having it there within you. And you have a opportunity, which I sort of see comes from the universe, to work on something that is not just about you, but is a bigger, about bigger humanity or bigger at a global level. Um, and so there's a great opportunity. I find it very exciting because I'm like, wow, I'm yeah. part of something. What I do internally and the way that I interact with other people and so on matters because it manifests, right? Um, what do they talk about? Like the butterfly effect kind of idea, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, so I think that's really great. You know, you drop a pedal, uh, pe sorry, not pedal, you drop a pebble in the pond and the ripples go outwards and you know, it's affecting the field. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so it's a great opportunity just to think, yeah, what I do internally actually matters. It isn't just me running away to get some inner peace. It's me running away to get some inner peace and then realizing all the stuff in there and going, whoa, I want to make a difference for myself and others. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We save ourselves to save the world. Yeah, it's a great way, but yeah. I think um, that's what I meant by simplicity. It's that, you know, one person isn't going to save the world, but in a way, the one person saving themselves is the best thing that we can do to save the world. So in that way, I see it as quite simple. And yes, it, it can get complicated, the things that we have to work out, but in the, in the basis of it's all up to you. Um, I don't know. It's simple in that way. You know, it's all it's all up to me. That could seem daunting, but then also I feel like on the other side of the coin that could seem empowering. Like, yeah, it's all up to me. <laughs> totally. Um, it's right. super exciting. It's super exciting in that way, which I yeah. think is fabulous. I mean, it may be that just your human experience, you don't tap that potential and then you do what you do and, you know, try and just sort of, you know, what, like you make a different, whatever difference that you're making or connections with people and you feel, okay, you know, and then people pass on and those patterns in their ancestry don't get resolved in the next, if there's a next generation, then they're like, oh yeah, here you go. Here's the work to start again. But if you actually take the opportunity and say, hey, I want to do something with this, like, whoa, think of the impact for your generations, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, subsequent generations or, uh, you know, even right now. So mm -hmm. I find it tremendously exciting in that way. And, um, and also it helps, I think, to, um, to kind of give you a bit of a purpose of refocus in life, because often, you know, we have, we don't really know when we're younger, like what we even want to do or where we should be going and all these influences and so on. And we never really have an, an objective uh, assessment of where, what we could potentially do. Nobody ever takes us aside and says, Hey, okay. In addition to what you've been told about school or work, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. There's also this internal vista within yeah. you that, you can explore and might actually 
give you impetus for a direction in your life. Normally, that doesn't occur. What normally happens is that people will go through existential crisis later on and go, I don't know what's going on. I'm not happy. And then, you know, they may find means for, you know, resolving some certain things. But if they're learned to cultivate an internal awareness, the, the knowledge about their sort of direction, if you will, inner impulse or whatever, will start to manifest. And then, it, but maybe not like not at a conscious level, but a, oh, I need to do this kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that is, um, if, people, if people have the opportunity to, to start to be exposed to that and become aware, that is a real hope for me for humanity. Um, mm-hmm. Because then people have additional information that they did not have before at a conscious level. Mm-hmm. And they can then have a choice on how they want to live their life, right? It's an yeah. option just to explore, to enhance everything else and, you know, do, you know, continue the great work that they're doing, but, but, but a possibility that maybe they weren't aware previously. Yeah. Yep. Well said. It's this like a uh, certain intuitive purpose that one can tap into. And that's what we all need. I feel as though majority of human beings and speaking personally, I felt like uh, I feel like we lack a sense of purpose, like true purpose, purpose outside of material means, purpose outside of a paycheck. That's that's like that's not even purpose. That's just like a means to survive. But that's where we have been told our purpose stems from. It's like that is it. Like that's the pinnacle of purpose. It's like your survival in a way. You're you're you know getting the nice car, getting the validation, um, you know, getting things. But quite contrary, it's not, it's like not negating that stuff that that'll come along the way. That's just part of the humanly experience, but true fulfillment, true purpose. Yeah. It comes at a deeper intuitive level that one just has to tap into. And it doesn't, it's pretty much like, it doesn't come from the outside. It's all within man. And I'm pretty sure that's cliche and we've all heard it before, but it's the truth. Like you said, the proof is in the pudding. Once one, <laughs> once you do tap into this, this intuitive, this intuitive guidance, you could say um you you know and once you know you know uh yeah so it's like i wish i could give that to people you know i wish i could just like give that insight to people but it's not even as easy as just saying it like which is kind of seems a little like uh it seems a little hypocritical on a podcast because that's what we're doing we're saying it but it's really not that easy like one just has to do it themselves and realize it themselves so let me ask you this what is uh, what would you say is is if you could generalize it um like the the greatest um what's the word i'm looking for incentive like what incentivizes somebody to follow this uh the follow this path and get some get aligned to that kind of intuitive guidance within when they say like oh i've had enough of the outside (laughs) there's got to be another way what do you think gets people on this wavelength that's hard to say. I think it's actually uh, a global pattern. Um, part of it is is being facilitated now through global communications, right? So internet, etc. We didn't have knowledge like this readily available in decades past. Um, yeah. If you go back even two decades, Kriya Yoga is very esoteric and well guarded by you know these these lineages, right? Yeah. Where like you need to be formally initiated, you need a vow of secrecy, all of this kind of thing. Um, and we see this in other traditions as well. And, and part of the reason for that was um, there, you know, people who who shared information like this because it is revolutionary in a way were persecuted. And we've seen this through, you know, many oh, yeah. centuries, right? Mm. So the especially with religions that were connected with the state, um, the um, you know, you persecute persecute people that that don't fall in line that they're they're talking this sort of revolutionary spiritual talk or whatever yeah, uh, you know yeah exactly you know you go back to you know christ you go back to even in china with with Taoism and so on uh you go back to you know so christianity becomes state instituted by constantine and whatever it was the fourth century uh and so on as a means to say this is the official unified version of this uh and so i would say now what is happening is that with more communications and more information out there people have this huge sort of spiritual marketplace if you will right for lack of better term but i think that's not just about technological revolution i think there's something behind that an impetus 
with the earth itself of mm. needing to make change yeah. and make people aware because we have been, you know, uh, obviously you had feudalism right in across, you know, the world, uh, then, um, you know, you had imperialism and so on. Uh, and then, and now, you know, you had the rise, well, United States separating from Britain and so on and, and colonies starting to declare independence and so on. That is part of sort of trying to break the chains of control. But those chains still continue. And I mean, obviously, the world economic structure, right, is is um, subjugating people to a degree and certainly having a, a very huge impact on sort of what we consider the um, developing nations, right, and so on. Um and so I think that partly of probably likely partly the result of the challenging um, global conditions and environmental conditions, et cetera, et cetera, other, other um, challenges that it's just an opportune time for a lot of this information to just be available everywhere. People have so much at their fingertips with all these different traditions and the, they're becoming less traditional now because they're sharing, trying to share insights. There are people teaching all sorts of, you know, yoga, meditation, blah, blah, spiritual, this and that, and out there. And it's just vast information. And I think that it's coming at a time where people need to have access to that. And they're making choices about what they're doing. Um, and it can be, I think, very daunting for folks because there's so much out there. Like, I don't know where to start yeah. or I'm overwhelmed and so on. But I think that, that this is a process that just needs just to happen. And people are going to find areas that work for them, right? They're going to resonate with something. They'll try a few things and they're like, oh, okay, well, this makes sense. Oh, this actually works for me. Okay. And now, and then they start to have, as you said, that sort of inner unfolding. Um, and then, so I would say that it, it's all part of the same ball of wax, if you will. I think this needs to happen right now because we need to get ourselves in order, if you will, or go through a process of resolving things that we couldn't resolve so that we can make more intelligent decisions in the future mm -hmm. for ourselves, for humanity. So I think it's really part of the whole, like where we are on the, in, in the world right now. Um, and it's a great thing that so much is out there and available, but we cannot guarantee that it will be like that in the future because we have seen successive, pat uh, successive um, cycles of openness and control openness and control so we can't just assume like oh wow you know it's 2023 and you know this is great all this information we can't assume that we're not going to be subjugated again and then we won't have access to this kind of stuff so i'd oh. say i urge people use the time now this is like a spiritual revolution yeah. as far or uh not a revolution um a renaissance if you will mm -hmm. oh, so much available through information like take advantage of it now we never had access to information like this before and now we do so it's like it's a great opportunity so let's not waste it mm -hmm. um so i don't know if that answers your question but that kind of sort of where i see sort of things sitting um currently yeah no, amen to that yeah we live in wondrous times all of this like you said sacred knowledge that was confined to just a select few is now out in the open and anybody can truly become the yogi they can become the alchemist of their own being um yeah you have to sift through some of the shit first to be honest <laughs> but it's out yeah. there <laughs> it's out there the, the truth is out there and thankfully because of people like you man i feel like i feel um um i feel from you very pragmatic in your approach to this um because kriya yoga and yoga the yogic lifestyle altogether can become very airy fairy at times with some explanations but i feel like with a keen eye and a keen, a keen way of explaining it it can become very practical and relatable um so i think that's your path man it seems like that's what you're doing that's you're doing a good job of it to be honest with you man so uh i bow to you and that i applaud well, you in that well thank you very much for that and you know i can only take partial credit for for clarifying um kriya yoga like i i add my own take to it with my own experience but my teacher forrest knutson right so in the we're in the panchanan bhattacharya lineage of kriya yoga that was lahiri baba's preeminent disciple um forrest knutson has really demystified kriya yoga right so he coined the term heart rate variability resonance breathing and 
the understanding that you could just use something that is very simple to understand, very practical, and apply it and get results, right? Mm. So, but I mean, it's not just for us. There are many people out there that are that are just trying to demystify their particular tradition and give people something that that they can experiment with and and see and get some results, right? So I think there's a lot of um, synthesis of knowledge right now between different traditions because people are getting best practices from here and there and going, wow, it works like this. And this one works like this. What if we put them together and see what happens? That's my approach with Kriya Yoga and Taoist Internal Alchemy, right? Something I put together called Alchemical Kriya, where it brings the um, the best uh the best practices of both of those for a more uh, like a multiplier effect um, for for a, a practice. So that's kind of where my interest is currently, at, at least. But but acknowledging for sure that that a lot of people, um, you know, maybe just need to understand some, or it could be beneficial for people to understand some fundamentals about the way that um, you know uh, meditation works the way that spiritual development works is the process to explain the process. So then, then they can understand the principles and then use whatever toolkit they want to get results for them personally, because it's all individual. We're not all the same. We don't follow, like it's not a 12 step program to spiritual development. You just, yeah. um, you just start to find things that work for you and understand how they work and where they work in you. Mm-hmm. And then you 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 get you you have your own self-directed journey your own self-directed process your your self-directed process right yeah so that's kind of you know that's where my interest lies Mm. you know what's cool too is the proof is in the pudding experientially subjectively but also nowadays we have the proof as in we have scientific data and that's what's cool so it's another added layer to the demystification of these practices is literally you could you know seeing is believing especially in our world you can see the results at a physiological level on how it changes up um our biology essentially and that's really cool especially in the paradigm that we live in you know in our culture when you can see something you know uh, a great for instance is wim hof and the stuff that he's done in terms of uh, scientific data that's it's huge because you can't deny that stuff. Like there's really like, you can't deny those results that have been tracked from people that aren't really yogis per se, you know, like scientists of data. It's, you can't, you can't fake that. So I think that is huge to the, uh, that's a huge, um, uh, a huge plus, I guess, to the, to the Renaissance that we live in. It's like, not only is this information accessible to a lot of people, but it's also, it's quite uh, it's quite believable because we have proof per se it's cool it's cool time uh yeah what a time to be alive huh (laughs) absolutely and i I really appreciate an empirical approach um to things right um and looking at stuff and in my own approach uh, and and one of my teachers is michael Wynn. he's uh um like a great you know grandfather of Taoist internal alchemy if you will um and uh his approach is very experimental um, meaning that he's got all of these sort of ancient knowledge, ancient formulas, right? Alchemy formulas and so on. But he's always experimenting with them and saying, okay, what if we do it this way and let's see what happens, right? So I really love that experimental approach. You have your foundations, um, you know, your principles that you work with, and you start to um, exploit them, but manipulate them, not exploit them, but manipulate them to see, hmm. Mm-hmm. There be there may be some innovations that come out of this. I really encourage that because I think that is like the essence of a renaissance, right? You get collaboration, you get experimentation, and you get innovation. Like that's so cool. You're advancing your knowledge, right? And then especially when you get something that works, you're like, hey, try this out. And and a new person who's not exposed to this will go, Oh my God, this this works. And like, great, there's evidence that our testing, you know, our experimentation and created an innovation. Here's evidence that that it's working, right? So I really, I love that. I think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Amen to that, man. It's uh, a yogi is a scientist. It's, it's the holy science is uh, Yukteswar, I'd say. It's a trial and error, really, within our own being. Yes, we, had to, we do have outside science and outside data, but ultimately it comes down to the, the subjective science that one has to weigh within. Um, but I wouldn't want it any other way. You know, I don't think there is any other way. Once you can, once you touch upon the way and you start walking the path, there is no other way. In my opinion, in my opinion. Um, amen to that. <laughs> amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, 
yeah, man. I don't think I think this is a good note to wrap it up at. Uh, do you okay. have any last words? Anything you want to say? Oh, jeez. Um, we covered off that. No, I mean, I just, I, I really appreciate the, you know, the time to connect with you. And uh, I've, I've connected with like a few people sort of across, like people I have no idea through, through the internet. And then, and we have great conversations. And I'm like, whoa, you come back with this background. And I'm like, yeah, here's what I think. And then we have these collaborative discussions about stuff and explore stuff. I love that because it's, it's, it's a really great way to sort of advance my own understanding um, to you know, get a sense from other people what's going on. Because I mean, I, you know, I am in my own thing. I do, I'm doing my own practice, sharing my stuff. But, um, you know, I don't get exposed to the, you know, things that you necessarily get exposed to and so on. So it's really great to have these, these discussions where we can start to talk about things and, and, and get a sense. Um, so yeah, I uh, really appreciate the, the time today for that. Seriously, man, I appreciate it as well. This is my sadhana. This is so... Um, <laughs> It really is, man. It's a it's a meditative experience to do this with others and tap into their brain a little bit. And we go back and forth, like you said. I, I encourage you to only do it more so. And I encourage anybody listening. If they really want really want to explore, um, I don't know, the yogic lifestyle. I don't know if I want to say lifestyle, but <laughs> the, the, yogic, uh, the yogic path. Um, maybe explore what other people's path are. You know, just a, just an idea. It's very valuable for me and that's why I do it. And, you know, I do share it online with others and hopefully others get, get something out of it. Ultimately, this is, this is my path and my journey. And I find it so valuable to be able to connect with people like you from all over the world. It's a sadhana, man. And, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. It's only possible because of people like you. So I appreciate well, you. Yeah. And certainly, you know, you, and, and that's kudos to you for, for making this available, for making that connection. Cause I think it's really important, especially at this time right now, um, where we want to be, um, you know, talking about this kind of work, um, that mm -hmm. people can, can become connected to it, um, for the benefit of themselves and for others. For sure, man. Well, um, yeah, on that note, I don't have anything else to say, uh, I thank you. Thank you for your time, effort, and wisdom. Uh, I thank anybody that has listened this long. And keep doing your thing. I wish you all the best. All right. Thanks very much. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love and harmony. <laughs>